welcome to another episode of the Coltec Austin Tech Leaders podcast series. Today, I have the great pleasure of being joined by Angel Sang, the Chief Technology Officer and co-founder at So Chinese Delivery. It's a delivery and carry-out only restaurant concept in Austin, which offers free delivery and no tipping policy for fresh, high quality, yet affordable Chinese American food. A little bit about Angel, I'll do a slight introduction before um, I let you take over. Angel's been in Austin since 2003, been part of the boom in technology sector. His first sort of foray into that was with Bizarre Voice. We met two friends and mentors, Brett and Cameron, who have helped him build and, and grow his businesses from there and had some really great success within the startup sector before setting up his own business. So hopefully that's given a little bit of an introduction, but Angel, why don't you let us know a bit more about yourself and probably give a bit more in-depth <laughs> version of your, of your experience so far. Sure, yeah. When I moved down here in 2003, I just started out in customer service and then at a photography software company called Photo Reflect. And then I uh, kind of just realized customers were having problems, moved my way up into to QA because I ended up doing a ton of testing. And then I had been in QA ever since. And so I was the first QA engineer hired at Bizarre Voice 2008. Got to spend a ton of time, learned a lot about e-commerce over at Bizarre Voice, which became fundamental to what we're doing at So today. And in 2002, we IPO'd, which was pretty amazing. Moved on to another company called Moxie. We built intranet space product there. And then after that, started working for Spreadfast, which is now rebranded into course, and then spent time working on testing their social network broadcasting platform. And then after that, I worked at uh, another startup, tons of startups, yeah. <laughs> another startup called Edge Case, formerly called Compare Metrics. And again, this was another e-commerce foray where I spent a ton of time on the front end with product grids and product filters, learned a ton about consumer e-commerce consumer behavior on the front end, which came in super handy for So again. And that's when I started So, 2016 with my buddy, and colleague Min Cho. And so in 2016, or I guess right here, I'll, I'll talk about how the concept came about. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. And then we can talk about how I basically worked two jobs at the same time. <laughs> so I had known Min as a restaurateur. He was friends with my wife and, you know, eventually we met each other, spent a lot of time at his restaurant. It was called Jenna's Asian Kitchen up in North Austin. We would talk about life and he kind of came to understand what I did and I was in the tech industry. And one day he approached me and he said, I've got this idea where, well, first of all, he was suffering from trying to find the right people for his restaurant, like hiring essentially, recruiting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know someone who could help with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's like trying to hire servers, trying to hire yeah. wait staff and, and cooks, finding the right people. And so he had this idea of kind of doing like a Tinder for employees and, and restaurants where we, you would like match people and, and restaurants. And so we started drafting up those requirements and came to realization this was going to be a huge undertaking with kind of a lot of competition in the space. And he's like, well, I do have this other idea in my back pocket. 
what if I just, we do exactly what we do, right? Like he, his is a uh, Asian fusion restaurant, primarily Chinese food. He knows exactly what's the best sellers, right? He knows exactly what the numbers are for the kitchen, what the numbers look like on paper. And he's like, hey, and, and you do e-commerce, you know exactly how to optimize a website. What if we did combine the two together and make it so that people are just ordering Chinese food online and then we just do deliveries? And then you get rid of the whole wait staff problem, you reduce a lot of overhead by having yeah. a, a much, much smaller retail space and then dominate the digital space because clearly Chinese mom and pop restaurants are not doing that. Yeah. Everybody now wants things that are as convenient as possible. Press a button, yeah. to, you know, Uber, Tinder, like everything, your dating, your, your, your journeys, ordering tickets online, wherever it may be, it's all digital and everything's built for convenience. So having a restaurant, which is online, and you can just go and pick up the food or get it delivered to you without having to leave your home. That's right. It yeah. seems now, so I was this back in 2016, right? So it seems now when you talk about it, it's like, oh, it's obvious. It's more of an alien concept to people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't think 2016 is that far back, but let me tell you this. I mean, we started writing code in 2016. We opened our first store in 2017 and the first people to like use them that weren't necessarily tech savvy. I mean, most people aren't and they were a little bit put off. We definitely received complaints saying, I have cash in my hand. I want to yeah. just hand it to you in person. Why can't I just get food in exchange for cash? We were kind of in this awkward position of being like, this this term is still pretty new. It's called local e-commerce. Yeah. Right? It's not national e-commerce, which is like an Amazon. It's more of a D2C, like a direct-to-consumer. Yeah. Local D2C. We're building product in a local retail space and delivering it or allowing for local pickup and people in 2017 were definitely not down yeah <laughs> no, it's so strange like you say that it doesn't sound like that long ago. i just had to look now and realize oh it's five years like well four years since 2009 and yeah. so much has changed in that time and i suppose that probably leads me on to my next question in terms of changes in in the market and obviously you've been sort of in austin since 2003 you've seen so much change in terms of the technology space businesses growth within the market the vc money coming in so mm -hmm. on and so forth what do you think's made the biggest impact or, or helped that change in the austin tech scene or what's been the enabler of that well i think i've had a lot of exposure to e-commerce right and yeah. a lot of the world is a marketplace of random things like all the things that we consume and e-commerce really like didn't apply to most of those things early on, you know, like, you know, 20 years ago, but that slowly crept into each individual industry. And I think Austin's got a really great pedigree for e-commerce, Bizarre Voice, obviously, yep. for the ratings and reviews. They pioneered the ratings and reviews vertical, basically monopolized it. Big Commerce had, is headquartered here in Austin, which is a great competitor to Squarespace, great for you know the next step up for your normal small business to put a website online. And then 
there's that burgeoning D to C, direct and consumer, individual businesses that stand up alone and on a Shopify website or something like that and, yeah. and sell directly to consumers. And so I'm a product of the system <laughs> in some way. I mean, all the roads that I took through, you know, Bizarre Voice, Fast, and Edge Case led me to where I am now because I took all that expertise that I accumulated over that time to be able to apply it to what's essentially selling Chinese food online. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's, it's weird to say that, right? But like, yeah, I'm like going in and optimizing anything from like the SEO to the load times, uh, you know, to analyzing, putting a pixel on my Chinese website so that I can actually track the ROAS and the CAC on my customers. Yeah. Uh, stuff that the restaurant industry has just really up until this day is still far far behind of course they're only just catching up you mentioned earlier about sort of working two jobs when you first started so as a cto and co-founder of a business obviously with them you know we're a startup a company ourselves you end up doing so many different things you know this is i'm sure this isn't what, what i should be doing right now this but you end up you know you're, you're the uh the cleaner the coffee maker the you know the tech expert everything right so tell us a bit more about that story like you know starting the business having to juggle two roles as co-founder and cto but i presume you meant as well as working building so and then working elsewhere as well trying to juggle that that's something that i think a lot of people go through when they're starting a business because it's an idea and you've got to put some effort into oh, yeah. it oh yeah it seems that your experience was <laughs> really intense. <laughs> sure. I went through my work experience and I didn't even really finish. After I started writing code, we started writing code for So 2016, ended up getting another job at a startup, you know, just basically to support the family and yeah. maintain my level of living. But I started at a company called Medici, which is like a telehealth startup. And then after that, I went to another company called Dosh, which is a cashback marketing platform yep. that eventually got acquired by Cardalytics. So congrats to them. Meanwhile, after work, I'd be heading down to the restaurant and I did deliveries. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where we were at. We were so small at the time. They needed, you know, the owners to come in and cover for a shift here or there. And so I was doing food deliveries at did night. That give, did that give you like a much better perspective on the business and how it would work? And, you know, obviously delivery times are in down because you've got, you're trying to do everything, but like, you know, being on the ground, having to build yeah. the application, run the restaurant, do the deliveries yourself, having yeah. that experience is probably as the business is now growing, and we, we spoke earlier, you know, looking at different ways in which you can grow, it gives you much better perspective on what the guys are doing on the ground, right? So it probably helps you be a better CEO as, as things grow. Yeah, I don't think I realized at the time, but I was learning a lot throughout my career in the startup space. I went to a lot of companies and I saw a lot of CEOs and they're definitely all over the board, all over the spectrum in terms of like, you know, how they, what kind of uh, examples they set. And yeah. I was mostly inspired by the leadership that would take the time to get down into the nitty gritty every once in a while. Cause it gives you that perspective of like how 
the entire company works. And so I took that with me to sew. So if I'm driving and I'm in the kitchen, I say exactly, yeah, the software that we built is working, right? Yeah. And obviously being coming from the testing and QA practice, I love testing stuff and yeah. always taking our software, you know, to the extreme to make sure that it's robust. And so I like using it in practice, like me going to do the deliveries, me placing orders is really me testing the system, seeing how the customers feel about it. And so, you know, I think a lot of restaurants do this. It's something that I don't know if startups do as well, which is like a lot of the corporate employees end up, you know, they have to do shifts yeah in the restaurants it's part of their company culture so that you know even the accountant for raising canes is doing a shift at the cashier yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing obviously and it gives everyone like you say that perspective on being in it together and actually you know as the business grows we've seen it go from here and we've all done the different jobs within the business to be able to get us to where we are so it gives everyone a really good perspective yeah. and i probably gets a lot more buy-in into the business from the employees because everyone's doing different jobs working different shifts mm-hmm. seeing how the way other people work you feel like you're really in the nitty-gritty of the growth of the company there was that culture a lot more yeah yeah it shows that you have skin in the game right yeah and I've been in enough startups to see crisis. I think a lot of people in the business, if you've been in enough companies, crisis is absolutely kind of the, most startups fail, right? So most startups go through was essentially pretty scarring experiences sometimes. And it makes a huge difference when leadership is there, when the founders are there, you know, basically on the ground fighting fires with you side by side and it makes a huge difference in terms of trust and loyalty and and culture i've definitely been in positions where the leadership was not there during times of crisis and it was pretty demoralizing chaos happens things pop up software doesn't get delivered at the right time people don't turn up whatever it may be but you have to have an ability to be able to adapt and you know, be agile with that. And that strong leadership comes from being able to, from what I've seen, being able to pivot at the right time and make changes and keep everyone bought into what those changes are going to be is so important. So that probably leads me on to another question that I always ask, that I'm really, really interested in, is how do you think, as a startup owner yourself and been involved within so many startups, how can a startup tech business best prepare themselves for success? I think a lot of it has to do with the team that you build because you will run into storms, right? The crisis will occur. It's not really the technology, right? Like I think technology, you just set a goal and you, you go and you do it, right? It's an idea and then you just execute. Is it important that you execute? But like in the context of like as being in as a business owner, it's more about like, how do you deal with the ups and downs of the company? And the yeah. down parts are the hardest parts. And that at that point, it's about team culture. And I think where that starts is how you hire, how you interview, how you project yourself as a company to the people that you do hire onto your team. 
and making sure that you have the right plan in place before you even start the entire process. Like yeah. basically draw a mind map of what do you want your team culture to look like? What do you want your, you know, your staff and your employees to look like in terms of culture? And then set that as a goal for when you go and do hiring. Um, 100%. I couldn't agree more with that. There's so many different businesses that we've seen when you're trying to grow a team. We need to hire 10 people. Okay, how are you going to go about that? What a personality you need to use? What's the strategy behind that? How are you going to do that? No one would go into building a, uh, an application without having a process planned out of how they're going to go about doing that. Whereas a lot of people see hiring and building their team as something that just happens. But you have to have like a plan. What is, you know, how are we going to go about that? What's the roadmap to do that? How are we going to scale this team correctly? And without having hiring and growth as part of your business strategy, it will affect you as you grow because you won't be able to do it sustainably. You might chuck loads of bodies at stuff. But you don't need that many. I'm a recruiter. I'll run a recruiting business. I'm telling people not to hire as many people. So you know, it's probably a bit of backward logic there. But it's true. There has to be a strategy, not only behind sort of the tech and how you're going to build the company that way, but the headcount and the staff that you're going to bring in. Types of personalities, you talked about sort of chaos. There's certain personalities. Like if a room's on fire, you want people that are going to be, not people that are going to run around and tell you that the room's on fire. You need people to look and say, well, how are we going to get out of the room? You need a business that's, you're not going to have a business ever full of those those yeah. types of personalities, but having more of those personalities who find the way out of the room rather than run around telling everyone that it's on fire is really, really important. That's something that we've found when we've been helping tech businesses grow. And when we've grown ourselves, right, we've only been running two and a half years and we've scaled pretty fast, but it's about having the right personalities and the right temperaments within the business to be able to do that. So that's a great piece of advice. In terms of like, obviously you've done a, a, your business. The concept, like we said, was probably when it started, it was a bit alien to people, you know? Yeah, why can't I just pay with money? <laughs> Five years on, it's people just take that as, oh, that's perfect. I'd much prefer to do that. You know, if we were talking in five years time, what do you think? Do you have an idea or, or a thought that in five years time, if we're talking, what would be that solution where it's like, that was, you know, I don't understand that. And then all of a sudden it's what is day to day, everyone would do it. It was like the next progress in tech or the way that we uh, use tech in our everyday lives. I suppose if we knew this, we could all just invent a business and all invent the new Uber, just as an idea where you see where the market's going. As far as like my industry is concerned, ease of use is definitely something that hasn't really been part of the vocabulary for restaurants. And so we are slowly moving towards uh, faster and easier. And so, you know, like, when you talk about this in the context of restaurants, that's typically in-person, physical. Yeah. And so you see this move from full service, less full service and more into quick service. Like what so is doing, I think, is we're, we're innovating this local e-commerce idea. And, you know, we're implementing a lot of ideas that cutting edge e-commerce companies are doing that is like two years old, less than, right? In 2016, we insisted that we build our platform with React.js. And yeah. back in 2016, it was like two years old, right? Yeah. It was really, really young. And everyone was trying to pitch us on an Angular platform. And I just knew that this is, you know, we're going to be optimizing for speed. We're going to optimize for ease of use. 
And so we're implementing things like we're ditching passwords. So we're going to go into a pure SMS email authentication. We're trying to reduce that customer journey as much as possible on the front end. In five years from now, I think more restaurants in our industry and in, you know, in the food industry, they'll come to understand a little bit more of the concepts of how to reduce drop-off yep. the customer funnel, you know, how to implement a pixel. <laughs> no restaurants can <laughs> use pixels today, right? Like it's it's a huge deal when it comes to like market optimization and sales. So that's probably where we'll be. It, the, look, the industry's slow. So in five years from now, it'd probably yeah. be that much. There, there will be a little bit of, a bit of progress because it's going to take a while for what are essentially food operators to, to adopt. Well, you're quite a, like a really early adopter of this way of working, right? So it's going to take a while to catch up. I mean, obviously in the UK, we've got Deliveroo, Just Eat, but these are apps and then there's plenty of them obviously in America, but they're the apps that mm-hmm. go to restaurants specifically. Your concept is that you are an app that is a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) which is completely different because that builds you in the local community. Once they've got your app, they're more likely to use your restaurant than, you know, the next ones down the road. So that builds you a community of people and gets the brand out much more. Yeah, I think Deliveroo and over here in the U.S., uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub, they all provide a great stepping stone for our industry which is restaurants who have no idea what they're doing in technology to be on a marketplace. That's essentially what they are, right? Yeah, they are, of course. They are eBay for food, amazon.com for food. And they are third-party resellers on those platforms. And it's all good. Like it's better than nothing. And if they have zero expertise, then that's the great first step. I'm talking about if in five years from now, they had the past, they'll have the future five years to understand that if you want to be more than just a reseller on a marketplace, if you want to control your own destiny, yeah. the power of writing software is the power to do what you are thinking, right? Yeah. So when you see a problem, do you ask someone to fix it or you, do you go and you fix it yourself? If I'm a restaurant and I got a problem with how Uber Eats handles my restaurant online, what do you do? You yeah. you beg and you plead. <laughs> but, but if you built SoDelivery.com and you own your own code base and you know how to write an epic and a story and implement it, execute it with your developers, then who do I ask? I ask nobody but myself. If Uber Eats, for whatever reason, all of a sudden decides we don't want to do this anymore, or the platform's down yeah. day for whatever reason, that restaurant hasn't got the marketplace that it had. Yeah. It doesn't have the ability to reach the amount of consumers that it did previously. Whereas you guys, as I say, you control your own destiny, builds up more of a following within that your particular restaurant. So then when you do open, uh, that's probably the what I was going to lead on to, the growth plans of so, is to, I presume, open different locations around Austin and then wider Texas and the US. Having that following enable you to do that a lot quicker then uh, the family restaurant that uses Uber Eats, they're just 
that phone restaurant that you do breach, yeah. right? This is a completely different concept. Yep. You're asking a third party to help you do your business at the end of the day. And those include the commission rates that they're going to demand from you. The profit margins in the restaurant industry are pretty small. Yeah, so, of course. So they are taking a lot of those profit margins that you could otherwise take and invest into your own platforms. We have the ambition to become a national brand if not international. And that requires us to be able to optimize and streamline at the speed that we want it to. And we have the capability to. It's a great concept. I think it's really, really forward thinking and the possibilities of growth and expansion is really exciting. And I'm really pleased to have spoken to you at the near the beginning or, you know, towards the beginning of this journey, because I can see it in the next five to six years exploding across the US. We usually wrap these things up with asking if you was to give one piece of great advice to a, a tech startup, obviously, apart from speaking with Coltec, <laughs> what, would, <laughs> what would it be? One big piece of advice. I would say find a mentor. I definitely wouldn't be who I am and so wouldn't be where they are without knowing the people I knew over my course of my life that gave me a shining bright example of who I want to be and I could strive to to be. I think Bret Hart was a great leader for me. You know, Cameron Cooper was a great leader for me. And they showed me how to treat people. They showed me how to run a business, you know, how to be a leader. And that, I think that was really important. And so uh, I'll always refer to that and stand on that fundamental in times of chaos. That's fantastic. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. Having people you can look up to, call upon, give you advice, and people have been in that situation before is going to be a huge attribute to any business. And that's why sort of meetup groups and communities and networking groups have sort of become such a bit prevalent thing within the market, yeah. sharing ideas and being able to help people in the same industry as yourself. So, yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Thanks very much. So, look, Angel, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you today having a conversation. So is a brilliant business. I can see it going from strength to strength. Thank you very much for your time. If anyone does want to get in contact with you to find out more about the business or, you know, just speak to you in general, where's the best places for them to, to contact? Our website is uh, sodelivery.com. And you can always reach out to me, Angel, A-N-G-E-L-L -L, at sodelivery.com. And so is spelled with a T. So it's T-S-O, delivery. Perfect. Well, I'll put all that information when we post it out anyway. But look, Angel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, good luck with everything moving forward. And I know uh, you probably won't need that anyway because it's going to be an absolute storming success. <laughs> Thanks, man. <Pat. laughs> no problem.